This is the podcast for August 3rd, 2012. It's not safe for work. Recorded live from day 41 of the tax return crisis, America held hostage. It's the professional left with Drift Glass and Blue Gal. You know, Mitt Romney says that Harry Reid should put up or shut up on his own tax return thing. <laughs> oh, I've been in meetings with this guy. Yeah, have you? I have worked for this guy or people mm. like this who mm-hmm. just and the virtue of working in the private sector is you don't get called on your cluelessness. Yeah. And your abs the absolute jaw dropping you can't really mean what you just said given what you said five minutes ago bullshit because you're the boss. Well, and we're seeing a lot of examples of that, not just Mitt Romney, but Bill Keller came out this week with this crazy editorial about the third way. You know, we need the third way. And the third way is these these pesky pensioners are preventing us from building a bridge to the future. And it never ends. (laughs) And no, no. Well, And and if I may quote uh, uh, Al Pacino from Donnie Brasco. Because we've been watching Mob Week on AMC this week quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, wise guy's always right. Even when he's wrong, he's right. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's, here's the problem. This really is about social distance to, to sort of bring Chris Hayes' book into the. And we have been listening. Early. We, we listened to this before the Colbert bump. We've been listening we to Chris Hayes' book, Twilight of the Elites on hey, audiobook, man. him reading we've it. Been, we've been fans of Chris Hayes since way back, man. So don't give us this <laughs> bullshit about, you know, Johnny come lately nonsense. Okay. <laughs> And one of the one of the points that Chris Hayes makes in this book is about social distance, that if a CEO has a separate elevator, then he is not going to fix the heating in the building where his where his workers are as quickly as a boss that actually works with the workers. Right. I think my my charming partner is is blending two of his metaphors. I am. I am. (laughs) One is if if you have if you have a boss who, who works off site. Yeah. And one who works on site, the one who works on site is going to fix the heat in the building. Yeah. But second is there's there's the contrast between one CEO who has an uh, Michael Bloomberg who has an open uh, floor, floor plan. plan, right, right. And, and I think Dick Fold, uh, a, a Wall Street banks, a Wall Street um, stick up artist, who has a separate elevator and doesn't want to come in contact with the dirty little people that basically make him rich, and. Other than coming up through the the ranks, Charlie Pierce has a wonderful little column about Luke Russert today. Oh, Luke no. Luke Russert calling Elizabeth Warren out for being you know, an extremist <laughs> and reporting people who say, you know, this won't play with the middle. Elizabeth Warren came up from a janitor's being a janitor's daughter in a family who nobody had ever gone to college to being this person who actually is right on all the issues. And if you look at it, is dead center of her own party's platform. And this fantasy that there's 4% or 5% of people out there, independents, undecideds, third-way Democrats, or whatever the fuck they're calling them now, who just don't want to hear this shrill talk and so forth, being reported to us via someone who got his job based on the fact that his daddy is... What was was the host of Meet the Press for seven years or eight years is incredibly annoying because no obtuse, I think, is the word. (laughs) Yeah, you're the one. You're the one who is a privileged prince. You're the one who doesn't understand how people live and work. That's the problem. 
And Bill Keller doesn't understand it. David Brooks doesn't understand it. Mitt Romney doesn't understand it because they don't have to. They're not exposed to anybody's real problems during their day-to-day life. So they develop these very elaborate theories about why people are just chess pieces. And if we just line them all up in a neat and orderly way, the world would be a better place. And what happens in politics is, unlike writing editorials for the New York Times, when you start getting into politics, there are actually people out there who call you on your bullshit. Mm-hmm. And Mitt Romney has no he's he's literally the bubble boy in a in a social sense. He was raised in such a privileged, cosseted, cozened environment that he has no immune system. He doesn't know how to cope with people who say, That's bullshit, you need to show me your taxes. His response if you were his employee, and really who around him is anything but a colleague, a relative, or an employee. Well, and you and I have been talking about that this week actually in relation to Ben Stiller. Remember uh-huh. we had the conversation about Ben yeah. Stiller being, you know, the son of basically aristocracy with Ann Mira and and uh, his dad is what's his dad's name? Because I'm fried. Mr. Stiller. <laughs> Mr. Stiller. <laughs> Mr. Stiller. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know that they, they have big acting cred, and Ben Stiller has worked hard and stayed off of drugs and yeah. made a real career for himself. And I'm sorry to not use a political, I just can't think of one right now, but there are plenty of people who have actually, you know, a lot of the Kennedys, like Bobby Kennedy Jr., has worked hard and has picked an issue and has worked hard to promote clean air and uh, energy uh, access for poor people. And Luke Russert went and became a stenographer for John Boehner. You know, if you use <laughs> yeah, your, your yeah. birthright to defend privilege yeah. and to defend it in such an incredibly clueless way yeah, that yeah. You, you literally cannot understand why anyone doesn't want to cut Social Security, because yeah. that's really the only way we can do anything. And this and and at, again, at the extreme upper end, I can understand why Mitt Romney's mad because yeah. he's oh, yeah. played by the rules as defined by his party. He bought himself the primary. He spent he drowned everyone else in money, which is a very Republican idea. Therefore, he is the most virtuous and certainly the most deserving. And his statements and now, about Palestine are totally tied to that, that money yeah. is – we haven't had a chance to talk about this, even though it was very early in the week. But yeah. the idea that having money and having wealth and having he, what he calls economic vitality is a sign of virtue. And yeah. when you're in an audience of Jewish billionaires like Sheldon Adelson – He's clueless. He's just clueless. The idea of wealth being virtue. This is something that he really believes in his heart, that if you're rich, you're a better person. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't work. People don't give a shit about that if we're in an economic boom time. I mean, if if things are going well, nobody cares. Everybody's a potential millionaire. That's great. When unemployment is at 20%, you can't get away with that. And that's why the issue of Romney's wealth comes into play is not because he's got money or a horse or whatever he's got. It's about him taking that and saying, that makes me better than you. And I'm going to tell you how I'm going to cut your benefits. You know, my policies are going to cut what you have away from you so that I have more because I'm better than you. 
And if you want to get ahead, all you need to do is borrow money from your parents. From your parents. Or <laughs> sell off some of the stock your yeah. dad gave you, and then you'll be fine. I mean, why don't why can't people figure this out? But, Driftglass, I want to get to something that you've sure. said to me many times before which about is, Republicans let's, versus let's Democrats. Yeah, let's read it around. Long <laughs> uh, about punching yeah. up versus punching down. Yeah. That Republicans yeah. punch down and... Yes. Uh, Democrats generally punch up, go after people that have more power to help those with less power. And I want to relate this to um, some correspondence I had on Facebook with uh, one of our listeners named Nathan. Hi, Nathan. He had messaged me on Facebook to say, look, I have reposted some of your stuff over on my Facebook wall and I'm getting attacked for it. And would you like to come over and help me out? And I said, sure, came over and took a look at it. And it was, from what I could tell, and I really glanced at it quickly, it was one guy who had a hard time with some of the liberal things that Nathan was posting. And this guy said, you know, I thought that Medicare was okay in its inception, which I kind of doubt this guy was even alive when when Medicare started. so he said Medicare, I believe. Okay. okay. Uh, and Social Security was okay, uh, but now we've tacked onto it uh, food stamps and welfare and on and on. It's just gotten to be too much. It's just too much. And yes. my, the way it was phrased, I know you've you've played devil's advocate with me about this, but really I do believe that the way it was phrased, he was arguing, or you could fight, you could punch back at him that he's arguing that food stamps come out of the Social Security trust fund. <laughs> I mean, it really, yeah. the way he had yeah. phrased it, he, maybe it was yeah. just, he was writing wrong, but, so I went back to Nathan, I said, look, this guy, the way this guy wrote this, he seems to be claiming that food stamps come out of the Social Security trust fund. Do you really want to waste your time with somebody that's writing this way? Mm-hmm. And maybe picking your battles, and I wasn't trying to tell Nathan what to do, but just, yeah, if this guy is your relative, then yeah, you probably can't unfriend him. But depending on your, and maybe you enjoy the exchange with him. That's also totally valid. If you enjoy yeah, if, a back and forth with a guy who's going to stay good humored about it, go for it. Yeah. But this is something that a lot of our listeners have written to us about in the past, which is, you know, I'm fighting an uphill battle or I'm in Texas or I'm in, you know, a very red area and I feel uh, bullied, first of all, and, you know, could never have an Obama sticker on my car because I would be pelted with Chick-fil-A sandwiches, you know. Um, Ooh, mine are from heaven, maybe. Yeah, so <laughs> if you say so. Yeah. But really that that we have to pick our battles. And so Nathan ended this exchange that we had. I told him I was going to talk about this. And he said, well, what I really want to know is, is it a waste to try to prove someone wrong. I understand some people are a lost cause, but I feel I should try to influence people. Yeah. And I think it goes back to, I mean, in my this is my personal opinion, and people can fight with me about this all they want. I really think it comes down to, are you punching up or are you punching down? Yeah. And if you are trying to argue with someone, I mean, first of all, anyone that, I have gotten to the point where if Anyone on Facebook uses the word lib- libtard, I block them yeah. because they're a bully and they're just a Rush Limbaugh ditto head and I won't have them. I just will not expose myself, my emotional mentality 
to that bully. I just right. think my my emotional space is more valuable than that. Mm-hmm. So that word gets you off. (laughs) That's it. Libtard, you're out of here. You have very strong feelings about that, about whether it's a waste to try and prove someone wrong. If you're addressing issues where you're driving a point home about the class warfare that Mitt Romney and his ilk are, you know, embattling middle class America with, I think it's it can be worth it. You have to listen to the individual case. If you're just punching down to fight with some Chick-fil-A eating hillbilly, I hate to use that word because we've gotten called on call. We're both hill. We're both from children of hillbillies, by the way. Hillbilly stock or children of grandchildren. So let's you know. just say sons of the soil. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, some Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A eating ditto prefer, head. Let's let's I call him ditto head. Stewart Chick-fil-A-ting. Yeah, Chick-fil-A-ting. Mm-hmm. Chick-fil-A-ting Rush Limbaugh listener. If that's where you're doing your battle. Your energy is being drained in the wrong direction, and we have need of your energy elsewhere. And really listen to to where you need to go on that. Yeah. Uh, if there's just an exchange with some Republican voting beer buddy that you guys enjoy kind of the rough and tumble, hey, you know, that's that's a hobby. <laughs> yeah. But I, I want to ask you about that because we're going to have in the next 98 days – a number of conversations about politics. Yes. And one of the things that bothers me about it is that they, meaning the opposite side, seems to be completely off the hook in terms of talking about real issues. What's the most important problem facing America is, well, Barack Obama's president. Voter fraud. Voter fraud. Barack Obama wasn't really Voter fraud. Yeah, not yes. voter suppression. Voter fraud. Uh-huh. Voter fraud. What a fraud. What, don't you love America? What's, <laughs> what's wrong with you, Blue Gal? Don't you love, don't you think voting is so sacred that we should protect it at all costs? Or I, illegals. I what about illegals? Yeah, yeah well, okay. Illegals, illegals take good American jobs. And, the, the, and the growth the, of government. The tyranny, <laughs> the tyranny homosexual agenda. Um, <laughs> and they're never going to say the black. Muslim Brotherhood. That's something, that's something they, <laughs> yeah, well, that's something they can't, they can barely admit even to themselves. Yeah, so they're okay. Not tell, they're not ever going to admit it to you. They're not ever going to open up and say, you know, you're right, blue gal. The the, the onslaught of your relentless reasoning has finally <laughs> that never is never going to happen. These people are no longer in this arena, and I know it bugs you when I say this. Mm-hmm. Are no longer functionally human. They are robots. You cannot argue with a fucking toaster. These they cannot be persuaded for, but it, uh, the core of them can't be persuaded. Some people in the middle can, but. And understanding why they can't be persuaded is the important thing because that lets you bypass or engage them in, in an angle at an angle they're not expecting. First of all, as, as to punching up or punching down, they think they're punching down or punching up. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. believe the world is in the grip of a gay, illegal, feminazi, Negro cabal. Yeah, and white Christians has, are being persecuted by the gays white, white, yeah, into, into denying my fr- First Amendment freedom to eat a chicken sandwich. Yeah, okay. And yeah, They yeah. really believe that. They so really they believe, believe that, yep. The entire conservative movement is driven by a sense of aggrieved victimhood. Victimhood. Of, that embodied by Sarah Palin. Absolutely. Yep. It is impervious to reason. Mm-hmm. You cannot argue mm-hmm. them out of it. You mm-hmm. cannot persuade them that that's bullshit. You can't take them on issue by issue because they'll just change the subject or yell at you or call you a libtard. Or, and I, I, I too 
watch these battles because I, I really I don't use Facebook very much. I won't go into the 19 very good reasons why I don't. James Fenimore's literary offenses and uh, Mark Twain, because <laughs> uh, I, I would whack, I would use up the whole hour. But it, it is Groundhog Day with these people. It's always the same argument. It always ends the same way. When I when I used to go to uh, meetups in Chicago, I would watch a good liberal and a good conservative engage in person, and it was like watching the most stilted tango you could imagine mm-hmm. yeah you know you can see where the chess moves are going oh, i know how this is going to end i don't need to watch the end of this movie this is i i i see you <laughs> you know i see you wmds and i raise you torture oh, i see you this and it never ever affects them mm-hmm. so what but what interests me because i i get you know emails every day that and one of the ones i got most recently are and i've gotten this in a dozen dozen times you may be a, a republican if you may be a Democrat if, or here's here's a test. Hey, and it's always you know it always uses the word folks in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. We have to stop these people, folks, because you know we're just like you. First of all, I want to find the people that generate these things, and I want to hurt them really bad. <laughs> <laughs> because it, it, it's just a factory somewhere. It's also bad writing most of the yeah. time. Some of them are funny, but most of the time it's bad writing. And it's yeah. you know it's it's. 48-point railroad font, (laughs) sparkly font, and it's all that, aw, shucks, golly, folks, we gotta stop these guys. And, and there's a, there's a flag somewhere, and this gun, it's just, it's, it is such absolute bullshit. It comes off of fact, but it's always the same argument. If you, if you boil it down, it's Republicans, if Republicans believe in gun control, they don't. They just don't buy a gun. If Democrats believe in gun control, they want to take everyone's guns away from everyone. If a Republican is a homosexual, he'll live his life quietly and with dignity. <laughs> yeah. In the closet, right? You know, with with a gun to his mouth, a verbal gun to his mouth, because he can't stand his life. Go take it up with the former, you know, RNC chair and see how much. Yeah. Ken Melman thinks of living your life in, in quiet Republican dignity. Yes, right. Um, but if a Democrat, Democrat wants to force everyone to believe what he believes, uh, Republicans love Jesus. And Democrats want to ban scripture and God from everywhere, wants no one talking about it. And you can waste your time deconstructing, and Lord knows I have, deconstructing each one of these arguments and pointing out how they're factually incorrect, how, the, how it's bullshit. Um, and that's, and it, it never changes their mind. That's the only important thing as far as this discussion goes. How much, and uh, that was, debate. that was Nathan's question too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but, but, now this is something I found a little more interesting because, you know, the, the whole conversation with conservatives bores me. Because they're a country unto themselves, and they have their own rules, they have their own reality, they have their own force of gravity, they have their own religion, and they're just not going to listen to to dirty liberals like me. So it doesn't interest me so much the second part of the constructed question. What interests me more and more is the first part of the constructed question, which is every liberal believes X. Every liberal believes Y. Every Democrat wants to take Z away from you and force you to believe 1, 2, 3. All right, I'm going to leave aside the the incredible stupidity of what it is you think every liberal wants you to do or every Democrat's trying to force you to do. I'm going to ask you, who told you? Who specifically told you? Where did you get your secret insider information about what every Democrat wants and what every liberal wants? 
And I'll make you this, I'll make you this bargain. If I can, if I can, and this is why you only conduct these arguments in public, in a group, with a whiteboard, with some independents, you know, milling around on the side. So, because mm-hmm. you're never going to persuade the, the, the idiot, you know, from Sister Fuck Arkansas. That's mm-hmm. never going to happen. But you might be able to, to make him, you know, draw out his stupidity so publicly that a, a centrist, a, a spineless centrist does what, you know, you've always said. Um, Republicanism no longer looks cool. Right. Conservative exactly. no longer look cool. I don't want to be on the bus with that crazy motherfucker. Yeah. So, and in a bar, you can, you can even get the wait staff to look at you funny. <laughs> like, really? You're going to vote for Romney? Wow. You know, that's when you've won the independence because they don't want to look stupid or uncool. And I would say minimally, and this again, this is just talking to the, them as a, as a debate opponent. Because mm-hmm. in a debate, there's always a judge. There's always a referee. And the problem with this argument is there are no judges. There are exactly. no referees. There's yep. no consequence to just lying and lying and lying, which is the core of the Romney campaign. Mm-hmm. There's no downside. Luke Russer is never going to say, my God, Mitt Romney's a liar. Yeah. Because Luke Russer wants to keep his, his job as a prince of the village. And so the, the people that you think would be, oh, holy crap, isn't it your job to call out Republican lying as, as fact, as a fact in the same way that I don't know, a drought is a fact or an airplane crash is a fact. And the answer you get from pretty much everyone in the mainstream media is no. Our job is to simply report what they say. Type it out. Read it. You figure it out. Fuck you. You figure it out. Yep. And so on, on my mental whiteboard, it's okay. What are the consequences? What are you prepared to do if what, what it turns out, what you believe here is completely bullshit? Mm-hmm. And then focus on the part about Democrats believe, not on the guns, not on the on the everybody. You know, we want to put you in gay re-education camps. Mm-hmm. Focus on the part of every Democrat thinks thus and so and ask him him. And it's almost always a guy. It's almost always an angry <laughs> old white guy. <laughs> who the who the fuck told you? Because I'm a liberal and I don't believe that at all. So you tell me who it was that lied to you and told you this. And and my question for you, again, as your moral obligation for a person who believes this, who's been preaching it, and turns out it's not true, aren't you then obliged to go back to the person who told you this and call them a liar? Aren't you obliged, if someone just pissed in your mouth mm-hmm. and told you it's, you know, here, just took a giant dump in your skull, and 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 you went scurrying off into the world as if it's as if it's an evangel, and you've been spreading the good word of Rush Limbaugh's bullshit for years, and you find out that he's lied to you, what do you what are you obliged to do? Aren't you obliged to call Rush a liar? Aren't you obliged to stop listening to people who lie to you? And that's the weak point. I'm not saying you can ever break through the armor, but the uh, the challenge is if I can disprove that all Democrats or all liberals believe this. If I can if I can push back on that part of it. You know, where did you do you really know all liberals? Are you on a are you on some mailing list from secret liberal headquarters that I'm not on because that kind of pisses me off because I'm a liberal and I never heard any of this bullshit. So you tell me where you're getting it from. And then Well, and I think me- you've just you've just done something that one of our listeners wrote to us and said which is how brave we are to do this podcast, which mm-hmm. sort of surprised me, but yeah. it's incredibly brave to stand up in a group or in a bar or whatever and say I'm a liberal. Yeah. And you're a six foot eight white guy, Drift Glass. I am. So, you know, nobody's going to walk up to you and scratch your car or you know, th- threaten you physically. 
Uh-huh. For this, you know, I'm wondering about those people who are not quite that courageous. I, I, I will not do an hour on tall guys in bars. <laughs> That's right. Tall guys can never have a fight in a bar. I forgot you about that. Fight in the bar. You can never win a fight in a bar. Ever, Because, ever. and you need to explain why. Uh, well, this is my rule. Unless you're a gigantic asshole, which, you know, most people aren't, um, a, a big guy, a tall guy in a bar can't win. You cannot win because no matter what you do, no matter what provocation you are enduring, no matter what... The person says about your mother, no matter how many times you get pushed, the minute you swing back, you're just a big guy hitting a little guy. Mm-hmm. Unless you're the bouncer kicking people out, you can't yeah. win a fight. And that's yeah. all anybody sees is this, what the, look at him, he's, he's smaller than you. And, you know, I just, all I can say from experience is, you ain't going to win that fight. You're going to look bad in front of everybody, and you ain't going to win that fight. So factoring in crowd reaction. Mm. is really important yeah. when you're either you're in a bar fight or you're debating with someone mm-hmm. because you're never going to persuade them. In, 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 and that's in, why you you say it's important to have an audience of, of people that are oh, not absolutely. on either side or well, don't want to true. get involved. Yeah, this is this is true in classical debate, too. I mm-hmm. mean, if, if I'm taking the affirmative or negative of some issue at no point during the debate, am I going to go, well, crap, you're right. I give up. Mm-hmm. No, you're obliged by the rules to argue it out to the end and then lose horribly or win. But the idea is you're persuading some third party. You're never going to persuade each other because you flipped a coin to see who's going to argue which side of what issue. It's a game. Mm-hmm. The goal is to br- to persuade that observing third party. And part of the problem with the media is the observing third party is having their view of our arguments mediated by people who are liars, Mm -hmm. by people who who absolutely do not want to point out the fact that one side is kicking the other side's ass and the other side is lying constantly. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem. If if in a debate um, you can pull out evidence that your opponent is cheating and actually made shit up, Mm -hmm. that person loses immediately. Yeah. And that's but, what that's what's happening when Mitt Romney says says to Harry Reid, "Put up or shut up," and everybody knows that Mitt Romney's the one who's not putting up. Yeah. And it's embarrassing the people who are standing up for Mitt Romney when he says something yeah. like that. So, and well, and, and they, I do think embarrassing the hell out of someone with good humor yes. is a good idea. Yeah. Talk a little bit about how to keep your good humor when you're debating an asshole. Because that's hard to do. <laughs> well, um, sometimes it's helpful to say, uh, as a liberal, I strongly support you standing up in public and telling people that you agree that Detroit should have been abandoned to the wolves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, dude, go for that. Double down on that. I mm-hmm. strongly support in a – and just you know, do – you you're never going to win them by being John Stewart, right? But right. you can ease, you can really sort of throw a little bit of sand into the machine, which is all you can ever really do mm-hmm. until you get your own magic wand or your own um, Dutchy, your own monarchy or your own team of writers on Comedy now. Central. Yeah. <laughs> when you no, when you have eighteen is. interns writing gags for you on Comedy yeah. Central, you can do that. Yeah. But but you can you you're never going to persuade people by being John Stewart by looking at them incredulously and going yeah. you can't fucking believe but you can by out conservating conservativing them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I believe me as a liberal I strongly support 
you putting the guy who looks like the guy and acts like the guy who laid your dad off at the head of your ticket during the worst recession in 70 years. I strongly urge a party who is, is in deep shit over transparency and campaign regulations to put in charge someone who will not talk about his own goddamn taxes but wants to raise yours. Please keep doing shit like this. Please, I'm begging you as a liberal, please, oh, for God's sakes. And every time there's a mass murder in America, every time some nut, please put Wayne LaPierre in front of a microphone and let him explain why that's just fucking too fucking bad. Because it's my right to own a bazooka. Mm-hmm. Please keep saying silly shit like this in public. Yep. Don't just say it at your private little redneck club, for God's sakes. Don't just say it around the, the clan meeting. No, get out in public and say this shit loud and proud. Because as a liberal, I can think of no more effective recruiting tool for my cause than you actually standing up here in public and defending this bullshit as if it's reasonable. Because those people out there, you point into the darkness, are laughing at you. Because ain't nobody but a conservative that stupid to believe the bullshit coming out of your mouth. Okay, but you just called them stupid and a Klansman. And yes, that I did. Yes. <laughs> to their face? To their yeah. face? You're going to call them stupid and a Klansman to their face? I haven't seen you do that. Well, yeah, you never will. <laughs> I take, take my business. I'm calling you on your bullshit now because you never yeah. do that. You, when I, I have seen you debate fellow liberals and i've seen you debate conservatives in a bar and you keep your humor about you and there's always like a sly smile on your face because first of all you enjoy it yeah but also uh you know that if you lose your temper you've lost the debate so you don't go you don't get nasty and start saying oh you're just a fucking klansman well you know what you what i've what i've done is compress an entire (laughs) <laughs> my advanced, my advanced rhetoric course, my advanced <laughs> course in forensic. That's uh, what I'm trying to draw out of you, Driftglass. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, and and here because I think people point. need to hear this. This is the, the, we're going to have these bar conversations, and restaurant conversations, and church conversations for the next two months. Yeah, and don't you don't walk into one going, hey, hey, Klansman, how the fuck you doing? Yeah. <laughs> hey, how's that cross burning going? Yeah, a bitch. Um. But you do, you do come in saying. Please keep going with Please. Mitt Romney. Please. I, and I actually did this this week with someone that I ultimately had to unfriend because he uses the libtard word or said Democrats are stupid. Um, when I just I didn't I said, look, I don't want to get into an argument with you. But you have a horrible candidate and I wish you had a better candidate because I enjoy political debate. But your candidate does not want to win. And your candidate does not care about the the country that he wants to lead. And that's really sad. And the person responded with LOL. I'm serious. Because he, he had no answer for me on that. He had no answer for Mitt Romney is a horrible representation of what you say you stand for. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about what you, whether you have a job or not. He doesn't care about whether you pay more in taxes or not. He doesn't care whether you know anything about him. He's not willing to even give you any inkling as to who he is, but he wants to lead you, and he wants you to vote for him. And isn't that sad? No, he's the perfect He's the perfect, he's the perfect, you know, the, the process works, Blue Gown. <laughs> well, the process, the process is the perfect. Worked for him. Distillate of Republican values. 
fuck you, I'm not going to tell you anything about myself. Yeah, I'm rich, and I got rich screwing other people. That makes me virtuous. It's none of your goddamn business what I do with my time or money. Now shut up and give me the goddamn job. And your candidate does not want to be president unless he can just be president with no regard to how you feel about anything. Well, and that, that's really at that sad. Point you are, that, at that point, I would concede in, in uh, respectfully concede that you're arguing with a person on Facebook mm-hmm. pretty mm-hmm. much one-on-one. Yeah. If you're arguing for the crowd, yeah. this is, this is what yeah. I'm saying. If you're arguing for the mob, um, hmm. not the mob, but the crowd, at some point, it is perfectly legitimate to say, are you really dumb enough to believe the words that just came out of your mouth? Because mm-hmm. I don't think mm-hmm. you are. I really don't think you're that stupid. But I don't understand why you keep saying these stupid things. I don't understand why you think it's okay for billionaires to buy our political system mm-hmm. and not tell you where they're coming from. I don't see why. And you really, and, and really, and you really think all liberals want to take all of your God away from you and make you into an atheist? Really? What liberal believes that? Name me one prominent Democrat or liberal anywhere. Who ever. wants to take away your Who religious wants, freedom. Name me one. Yeah, hey, yeah. let's go over to a computer. Let's go look one up on Google. Show me one. Because you're saying some shit that, that you're, you're preaching it like gospel. And I respect the fact that you believe that intensely. But, but people, you know, conservatives believe a lot of crazy, silly things. It doesn't make it true. So let's, you and me, in front of all these witnesses here, go and, and check this out. Find me the name of that prominent liberal. And and don't pull Saul Alinsky out of your ass because no liberal knows who the fuck he is. Yep, yep. Um, and so if you're, if you're going one-on-one with a person, back and forth, back and forth, um, then more in sorrow than in anger is fine. But And a third thing I would mention is that back when I was um, – running a fairly large operation that depended on part-time workers who were between the ages of, say, 18 and 22, mm-hmm. who were not um, notoriously reliable um, at an educational institution where people took advantage of my good nature once or twice. Um, <laughs> every now and then, dropping the bomb on them mm-hmm. and just saying, you know what? I've been, I've been patient, I've been patient, I've been patient, but you gotta have a feel for that. You gotta know when it's time to break bad with these guys. Yep. Yep. Um, and every now and then, hauling myself up to my full height and pounding my fist on the bar and going, how the fuck can you live with yourself being this fucking clueless? Really? What, what is your psychological malfunction that you can't see what is plainly evident to any averagely bright Eight-year-old, what the fuck is your problem? Because I don't, yeah. I don't understand. You seem like a normal, nice person, and then when the subject comes up, you turn into a, a trained seal, barking out shit that you heard from some drug-addled gas bag on the radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is your problem that you can't face this? Are you, are you afraid? Are you afraid of embarrassing yourself in front of all these people? Because you've already done that. So what, you know, if you can send him from the room screaming and crying and hating you, you know, every now and then it is as uh, I forget who said it, uh, probably Machiavelli. You know, every now and then the prince has to has to really kill somebody. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And 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 they will then show you respect. Well, and also because I think it's I think it's okay. I don't I don't know about Facebook etiquette too much. <laughs> and I haven't done this yet, but I plan to, which is the next time I see Libtard on my Facebook stream. 
which is you're blocked because you use that word. Mm-hmm. And I have no time for that. That's and walk like away. If you're on Facebook and you're and you're calling out libtards, you're a troll. Yeah. That's yeah. you know you you are you are designed by you know, designed not to be taken seriously. I, I would urge people to go back and look at Recount, the movie Recount, the very opening part where uh, uh, I think William Christopher. I'm, I'm sure I'm getting this wrong because I too am a little bit tired. But the the guy who was in charge of the of the Gore campaign, um, saying that you know this is a great democracy and this is a wonderful time. And if we, even if we lose, if we lose honorably, that's okay. Cause you know, the world's watching us and we want to behave like a, the great country that we are and blah, 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 blah. And it's not like this is a street fight. And then you cut over to, uh, James Baker, the actor who's playing James Baker, who's addressing the Bush team going, okay, this is a fucking street fight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't care what you have to do. You better get out there and win one for the team. Yeah. And it's that kind of mentality that we're playing. You know, Democrats and centrists still insist that the left play by a different set of rules. And they do that because as long as we can keep you calm and quiet, we don't have to listen to what to the substance of your argument. Yeah. The minute you start yelling, we can bail on the discussion because you're being shrill and you're using foul yeah. language and la, la, la. And it's a it's a it's a circle. It's a circle designed to make sure we never have to engage in any serious way with the fact that the Republican Party has lost its mind. Yeah, and, it's and is of devoid of substance. Yep. Yeah. And, yep. and we don't, and that is such a terrifying reality and so fiscally dangerous, so personally economically dangerous. It is. David yep. To say that ever in public, that the whole system is designed to make sure that that discussion never happens. Well, is there any way to convince people that it is personally economically dangerous for them to trust their government to someone that doesn't give a shit about them? No, no, because you start with the predicate on the right. The government is evil and out to destroy you. And every time you elect a Republican, they set out to prove it. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, remember, these are people who have wished away eight years of Bush administration. Never happened. Yeah. People who, who transplanted the entire economic catastrophe that was caused by conservative policies enacted, I must say, by Bill Clinton at gunpoint by Republicans sometimes, but enacted by a president I voted for twice. Well, and one of the things that has to happen, and this gets back into punching up rather than punching down, which is we have to start communicating with those centrists and, and people that are non-voters. And get into this, you know, they don't want you to vote and go, remember Life of Brian? We've been talking about Python all week. As soon as the Catholic Church told people they couldn't go see Life of Brian, it became the number one movie in America. Yes. The idea that somebody arguing the conservative side is also on the side of voter suppression and you, you don't want anyone in this bar to vote except the people that agree with you. And you're willing to, your people are willing to prevent them from voting. And, and all of a sudden you've got centrists on your side because nobody wants to be told they can't do something. Half of what Luke Russert said is true. That four or five percent of people are the people who are going to decide the next election. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that is both um, hopeful and tragic um, and, and tragic. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. is tragic that there are 45 or so percent of the American electorate who are so intractably stupid, who are intractably locked into a completely 
a deluded, hateful, bunkered-in worldview that, you know, every day as a liberal in my mental whiteboard, I do put up on the wall, what if you're wrong? What if I'm wrong? What if I'm wrong about A, B, or C? And and my obligation, as I believe, as a citizen and as a liberal, is to challenge my beliefs on a regular – take them out, look them over, challenge them on a regular basis. That rule is simply not in effect on the, it can't be on the other side of the political aisle mm-hmm. because the, the the horror because if you're a conservative you haven't just been wrong about one thing you've been wrong about a whole lot of really important life or death things that you talk really loudly about in bars and and the the real problem that you have with that is you can't admit that you were wrong no. and so doubling down has to be a constant how much energy does it take to be a conservative it must be absolutely exhausting i'm not trying to be concern troll here and i'm not right. saying that to a conservative but think about it i i can't imagine having voted for george w bush twice and having to look at yourself in the mirror i'm not i'm talking to you drift glass i'm not talking yeah. to any imaginary person out absolutely. there absolutely how can you live how can people who've done that and not gone public and say, boy, I was wrong. I'll never do that again. I'll never vote Republican again because I can see now that that was just a devastating thing for the whole country. And if you do that, then more power to you. You know, I I was voting for the guy I wanted to have a beer with. And boy, I now know that I have to vote more responsibly and I've changed parties. Then good for you. Or or I or I'm really working for, you know, political change in my state. I've, I've abandoned party politics and I'm going to work for poor people or I'm going to work on something else. You know, good for you. And, and, and the exception to that rule, first of all, the exception to that rule is if you're a public media personality. Well, and you and I have talked about that not. many times. Yeah, yeah. that if, if you, you're and Andrew suddenly, Sullivan, that's different. You, there's, a way, suddenly, there's a way out for you, but it's not the Andrew Sullivan way. No, if you, if you jumped off of one gravy train because it was going off the cliff onto another gravy train mm-hmm. without ever acknowledging. That you were not, wrong. Yep. That you were not merely not acknowledging it, but staying away from any venue, any question, any person, any debate, anything mm-hmm. that – where you would be asked any serious question about, hey, what about all the shit you said for the last 20 years? What about yeah. all that? Yeah. Then you're just acting out of pure mercenary self-interest. Now, you can believe internally, you can be real sincere about the fact that you you happen to see the light at exactly the moment that the train was going off the cliff that liberals have been telling you was going to go off the cliff for the last 40 years. You can lie to yourself and say that, but it's not true. And the, the evidence of my senses is that tells me that you know at some level it ain't true is that you won't engage anyone. Andrew Sullivan, David Brooks, David Frum, you won't engage anyone in any venue who yeah. seriously asks you, hey, how the fuck did you flip 180 degrees on everything you believe and not have to atone for what you did? But if you're just a citizen, if you're just a, an ordinary person and you say, shit, I really screwed that up. I really, really got that wrong. I um I want to I want to I want to correct that as an error. More power to you. I absolutely think that that is um laudable. And we've seen examples of bloggers doing that. We have yeah, seen examples yeah. with uh, little green footballs and balloon juice where former conservatives have really gone to bat, not just for the Democratic Party, but against what they previously believed mm-hmm. publicly. We have to stop. Oh, I had uh, 15 more minutes of awesome things to say. No, but. that's just too bad. <laughs> <laughs>
Because, no, and I do, I don't, this is not a, I don't want to leave anybody with a sense of hopelessness. I'm extremely uh, hopeful about the future. I'm, I'm saying that there's a practical, personal energy level cost to engaging with people who are never going to change their mind and who are wasting your time. There is virtue in, in trying to get to people who are undecided and ask them, why are you undecided? Yeah, yeah, why? yeah. Why, yeah. Why, why, what why, is it? Why can't you make up your mind? Here are the facts. Challenge me on them. If I'm wrong, I'll admit it. But And working it and working it and working it over a course of time, because this is a long battle, guys. This is a long struggle that's going to be driven largely by demographics that neither you nor I control, which is right. you know a good thing. No one controls, but, right. I want to read a letter that we got, or, or at least paraphrase a letter we got from one of our listeners, Paul, which speaks directly to this idea of social distance. He brings up the idea of Mitt Romney and also George Lucas, which we talked about before, that George Lucas was so removed from actually customers sitting in the movie theater watching his film that he made a horrible movie and couldn't walk away from it because it was his you know, story and vision. You couldn't take anything out of it or re-edit it because it all hangs together so well. And the total delusion of removing himself from the moviegoer's experience – just totally destroyed Phantom Menace as a film. <laughs> so but many things to Paul, yeah. Paul brings up the thought, which I had never heard the story before, of Fidel Castro. Yeah, yeah. Did you did you read this email? I think I think I you did. did. That um, Cuba loves baseball, and at one point they worked very hard. This is Paul writing. Worked hard to have a great national team. What was the worst nightmare of the coaches? El Presidente Fidel Castro coming down to the field with pointers because he had been wanting to be a professional baseball player before he became the leader of Cuba. So he he comes down to the field and he was he was he was once considered by the Washington senators as a prospect. So he was, you know, somebody who had played ball and he comes down to the field with pointers on how the team should go even though he was now the leader of Cuba and not didn't have his finger on the pulse of baseball were his words heeded hey you just don't say no <laughs> to Fidel Castro cuz he'll That's kill right. you right uh-huh. So, and, and not to get into, and, and Paul says not to get into the horrible tragedies that befell a lot of people in Cuba, but, you know, you just don't say no to Castro. You, and, and it didn't matter that at one point George Lucas could make a good movie and that Castro could play baseball. They can't now. Right. And so the, the point that Paul makes is really important, which is, Running Bain Capital never qualified Romney for office. And he can't mention being governor of Massachusetts because Obama will throw Romney care in his face as well he should. Yes. Yep. Then all Romney had going for him was the Olympics. Yes. <laughs> which he flushed with going to London and, and pretending that he yeah. could tell people what to do. Yeah. But he, Romney has never been fit to be president. This is Paul writing. Romney has never been fit to be president, but no one wants to tell him that. That's right. That's right. Because he's Castro. (laughs) You know? You know, remember, remember, honey, wise guy always right. Wise guy always right. And Paul closes his letter by saying, thank you for banging pots and pans. You're welcome. We're, we want to say too that we are very grateful 
for you guys that doing this podcast is something we love doing. And it means a lot to us that you write to us, that you support us financially and that you stay in touch. Uh, you can email us at proleftpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook. Listen to our podcast at professionalleft.blogspot.com. Contribute there via PayPal or at our P.O. Box, which is P.O. Box 9133, Springfield, Illinois, 62791. That address is at our website, professionalleft.blogspot.com. And you can Google Professional Left and you'll find us right away. Boom. Uh, Boom. Right there, top of the list. Go. We have every week at our Facebook page and website, we post a picture of an Internet kitty. This week's Internet kitty is Madeline. Madeline likes to sit on her pillow and be better than you. (laughs) There's a picture of Madeline at our website. She's adorable and also on our Facebook page. Please, please feel free to write us, contact us, send us money. We appreciate all that you do for us. Be aware that if you write us at any address, we reserve the right to read your letter or email on the air unless you say otherwise. So, Drift Glass, how are the Internet kitties doing this week? Two words, blue gal. Kitty dressage. Let's think about living. Let's think about loving. Let's think about the hooping and the hopping and the bopping and the loving, lovey dovey. Let's forget about the whining and the crying, the shooting and the dying, and the fellow with a switchblade knife. Let's think about living. Let's think about life. This podcast is recorded under a Creative Commons license. Copyright 2012. Drift Glass Blue Gal Podcast.